How many of you watched the coronation yesterday? Anybody? Anybody? No, nobody? Yes, quite a few. Um, quite a few didn't, uh, obviously. Um, it was quite an, an event. If I thought, um, you know, we're, there's lots of holidays going on this, at this moment and people are away and... And I just thought, if you've got to get everybody there for the service, that would be quite some epic event. And the organisational feat, and all that went before, what a, what a load of preparation. Uh, that was a lot to do, wasn't there? I'm glad I wasn't in charge. I'm very glad. Um, that would have been quite uh, some mammoth task for somebody. Praise God. Well, God has a word for us this morning, his word. And uh, I have to be honest, I've really struggled with um, kind of uh, this message in that I, um, well, I need the grace to preach it and we need the grace to hear it. So I'm trusting him for his amazing grace, because it's about the return of our King. It's about the return of Jesus Christ. And one of the most important doctrines that you can know about is that Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross and rise again, but he also ascended to heaven and he's also returning one day soon. And the event when Jesus returns is going to be spectacular. It's going to be extraordinary. And there, there will be no one on earth who will not see him come back. When Jesus first came, he came to a country called Israel, and he came to a very uh, unrecognizable kind of in the public eye place. And he came as God became man. He came as a child. He was born in Bethlehem. But when Jesus returns, he will come in great power and glory. And the, the scripture say, says that every eye will see him. Those who are alive at that time, every person will see him. And he will come to bring a new age, a new season, a new time. And this age will be over. The wait will be over. Now, King Charles, if you think about him, he was crowned yesterday. And he had 70 years wait. That's a long time to wait before you're crowned. And there was an advert in a newspaper that, that said, the wait is over. And one day, the wait will be over. And Jesus will come again. One day, every eye will see. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. Some of us will be for salvation. Hallelujah. Others for judgment and eternal destruction. So when he comes, it will be spectacular. Now the Bible has five times more prophecies about Jesus' return than when he first came. So there are five, more, five times more words in the scriptures about Jesus' return than when he first came. Now when Jesus came as... Uh, God made man, he became a man and dwelt among us. He 
uh, he came in humility. And every word in scripture in Isaiah 53, all the way through the Old Testament, every word spoken about Jesus was perfectly fulfilled. That means every word spoken about Jesus will be perfectly fulfilled about his second coming. Because the first has already happened and the second is imminent and fast approaching. And in Matthew 24, we're just going to read these few verses, Matthew 24, 42. Jesus said, watch therefore. In other words, stay awake. Don't go to sleep spiritually. For you do not know the hour that he's coming. Now, wait a minute now. Just hang on a sec. I'll just back up with that. You don't know what hour your Lord is coming. So when there are these words in Scripture, what can happen is that some people spend all their time trying to find out when it is he's coming. And some people through the ages have come up with dates. And a few times they've said it was 89, and then it was 1992, and none of them were right. And all I can say is if Jesus says no one knows what time he's coming, then no one knows what time he's coming. Is that okay? So if you ever hear someone say, this is the date... Say, no, only God the Father knows. So don't be silly. But the other side of the coin is some people are ignorant about him coming back. And Jesus said, you must not live ignorant. You need to live ready. Watch, because when he comes, he will come like a thief in the night. Let's just read the next few verses. Thanks, Lydia. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Hmm. If you knew exactly what time the local thief was going to crash into your house and steal the family uh, treasures, you'd have stayed up. You'd not gone to sleep. And Jesus is basically saying, he will come at an unexpected moment. But he's encouraging and warning us that we need to be ready. When the king came into Westminster Cathedral yesterday to be crowned, King Charles, everything was ready. Nobody said, oh, where do we put the crown? And nobody said, what songs are we singing? It was all sorted. The cleaning had been done. The preparations had been done. The choirs had done their training. Everybody was ready. They knew what they were called to do in that day. And some Christians can live as if that day isn't going to happen. And Jesus said, I want to warn you that you need to be ready for when I'm coming back. And there are many signs in Scripture that speak about what the times will look like when he comes. And we're going to look at a couple of those pictures today. But don't get sloppy with your spiritual life and your walk with God. You know what sloppy is? If, I'm, I, if I, I, I have somebody important coming to visit me in my house and I don't bother to clean up, I haven't done the washing up for three weeks awful. But if it was a mess, it means I'm living sloppy. 
And so we have to keep our hearts and our lives ready for the day when he returns. Because this is an important priority in the life of Christians. And some people think, well, he's delaying. I'm not going to bother too much about my walk with God and my prayer life and my devotion to live for Jesus and be a follower of Jesus. And actually, it will matter when Jesus returns. Jesus, when he first came in Mark's gospel, he came as a king, but with an invitation. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel or the good news. So when Jesus first came, he came with a message, an invitation. And that invitation is to everyone. Everyone is invited by this king into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a place where the king reigns. That's what the kingdom means. It's his rule and it's his domain. It's the place and the people over which he is king. Now, Jesus, as king, he's never been voted in because the church and the kingdom is not a democracy. You don't vote him in because he will always be king. It's who he is. Nor does the king kind of change opinions because the king has a word that never changes. The Bible is the word of the king. This is the word of the king. And by the way, he never goes out of fashion. And he doesn't change with the times and seasons. He doesn't change in his character and his desire to, to save and set people free. But he doesn't change his word or his ways. We, can't, we change to fit him. He doesn't change to fit in with us. Because he's king. Now Jesus said, the invitation is for everybody. It's at hand. You can enter into the kingdom of God. But as king, I'm setting the conditions, the terms of entry. Now, if I was to travel to Australia and just rock up and say, here I am, I'm sure you all want me, they would say, you don't have the right credentials to enter. You're not a citizen of Australia. You need either a visa or a passport that is actually going to allow you entry. And so the king, Jesus, sets the conditions of entry. Not everybody goes just because they want to. Is this good? You have to repent and believe the good news. Now, repentance, we think it's been on a carpet looking miserable for years. It's not. Repent essentially means change the way you've been doing life because it's wrong. So, in other words, coming into the kingdom isn't carrying on doing life the way you've always done it. The king says you have to repent. And to repent means to change, to change your mind or your will, turn it around towards Jesus, the king. But not just repent, not just turn your life around to stop going that way and begin to follow Jesus. Believe the good news. The good news is this king is a good king. This king is a king of love. And this king gave his life so that you could enter the kingdom of God and become a child of God. Whoever 
repents, not just believes. There are two things that are required to enter the kingdom. Repent, turn, change your life, believe the good news, and you're allowed in. But the good news is, he doesn't just let you in as the same person. He changes you on entry. Because you will be born again. That means the old you, the one who always wanted to go your own way and do your own thing and keep your own opinions and live wrong, suddenly has a new heart and has forgiven all your sins and God himself changes you from the inside. You become a new creation. All things pass away, everything becomes new. Is this good? This is good news. So the king doesn't have old sinners in. He has new people in. And they're called saints, holy ones. They are righteous or right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by works. So you can't get in by works. Buddha is not going to let you in. The Hindu faith isn't going to work. Muhammad's not going to let you in. Jesus is the king. And he's the one to turn and believe in. Because he's the one only who can save. So once you enter, you're a new creation. You belong to the king. You're a child of the king. Isn't that wonderful? A child of God. The word says... He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a new nature, a child born of God. It's wonderful. And when you come into the kingdom, you now have a new king. And the kingdom of heaven is all about living under the reign or the rule of God. That's what it means to be a believer. I'm living under the reign of God. I'm living under a king who loves me, gave himself for me, but I'm also living under someone whose word is the final word. I'm living under the one who is my Lord, not just my best friend. Hmm. This kingdom is all about the way that we live our lives. And Jesus taught about the kingdom. It's a different value system to the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. This is the value of the kingdom. That's the goals of the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's the economy of the kingdom. It's completely different to the old life you used to live. It's about giving and receiving rather than taking and keeping. It's about sowing and reaping. Family life and relationships are all very different in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, the king has different goals to the rest of the world. And his goals are to see many come into the kingdom with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the introduction. But if you're born again, you're in the kingdom. You're under the rule and reign of God. You're a new creation. And now it's exciting because the word of the king teaches you how to live in the kingdom. Under the king. You don't know how to live in the kingdom unless you read the word. Only the word can tell you how to live your life. Because his word is the word of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why the Bible is the most important book 
on earth. It contains the oracles of God, the word of God, God's word to humanity. So what are the two pictures, significant pictures of the end of time? Where do we get the visual, the sight as to are we really living at the time when the wait will soon be over? Is this really the time just before the king comes back? Well, I think one of the pictures is in Isaiah 60. We're going to look at this word. And it carries with it an interesting view. And I'd love you to be open to this view and let the word of God shape you. The word says, arise, shine, your light has come. Jesus is the light of the world. The glory of the Lord, he is the glory of God. That's the the character of God and the power of God. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles or nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Now this is speaking, I believe, of a picture of what it will be like in the end. There will be two things happening. Everything will get worse and everything will get better. The light will be brighter. The glory will be greater in the church, the true church. And the darkness will be darker and there will be more evil in the day before the king returns. So there will be increasing light and glory and increasing wickedness. If I think of the last 10 years, the last 20 years, there has been a landslide In our nation, just think of this nation, a landslide of morality, immorality. There is in schools being taught such, I would call, depravity that our children are hearing things that I never knew about until I was a lot older. Darkness is increasing. Immorality, sexual immorality particularly, is increasing. But there is a promise for the true church. We're going to get brighter and better, more powerfully graced by God to shine for Jesus and bring in an end time harvest of souls nations will come to your light not to our dimness or our sloppiness but to our brightness and to our righteousness doing right in God's eyes living under the reign of the king so this is one picture I think We're not here to try and make everything better because some things will just get worse. But God is in our midst and he lives in his people and he will shine powerfully through the true disciples of Jesus Christ. And we will be a light for the world and many will be drawn to Jesus through your life and through my life. There's this interesting uh, word in Revelation 22. And this is God speaking. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, 
let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So what's God saying? He's saying, carry on being who you are. He's saying, if you're righteous, grow in it. Do more, more and more of living under the reign of the king and seeing more of the life of Jesus in your walk with God. But those who are unrighteous and filthy, carry on. Because there is an increasing momentum of what is right and what is wrong. And there's going to be a clear distinction between the two. A distinction between God's people and those who are against the holy laws of God, ways of God. It'll get more and more obvious But this is speaking to me is, come on, guys, let's just keep growing and living under the reign of the king. Let's grow in our knowledge of God. Let's grow in our study of scripture. Do you know your Bible? Do you know what the kingdom of heaven is all about? Don't leave it just to Sundays to be taught. Study the word. Have time with God in the word and grow in doing what's right in the king's eyes. That's an amazing word. Secondly, the picture of uh, end times before Jesus comes is in Matthew. I'm going to use this uh, story of Jesus just to speak into the times we are in. Jesus um, begins to tell a parable. It's not like when he told the parable of the good seed sown on good soil, speaking about the word of God, the gospel, and how heart conditions determine whether you receive it. This is a different kind of message that he wants to get over. And it's called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Wheat speak of um, the good that God wants to do through his people. And tares speak of fake seed or pretend seed. And I'll unpack that in a minute. But Jesus tells the story about these two sowers. The first sower, it's his field. And he sows good seed into that field. And an enemy of that farmer decided what he wanted to do was disrupt and uh, trouble the good that that farmer wanted to produce in that field. So an enemy at night took a bag of seed called tares. And uh, he went out and sowed in amongst all the good seed. And what happened was, both seeds grew up in the farmer's field. But there was a certain stage where everything was ripening. And I believe that's the phase we're in. Everything's coming to light. Everything's getting ripe. where you began to think, hang on a minute, the servants were looking at the crop saying, hang on a minute, I thought I thought he sowed wheat. What on earth is that? That's, that's, that's the wrong harvest. That's the wrong crop. That's tares. Now, tares are imitation seed. They're actually weeds. But they grow for a long time alongside wheat, And you can't tell what's right, what's true seed, true wheat, and what's fake. This is the message of Jesus. They grow together. 
And you can't tell until the fruit starts to come. And suddenly you think, hang on a minute, there's both in that field. And the servant goes to the farmer and says, I thought you sowed wheat, but there's tears, there's rubbish in this field. The far, and, and the servant will say, shall we rip it up? Shall we go and pull out the tares? Get rid of all of it so that just wheat remains. And the, the farmer says, no, don't do that. Just in case you rip up with it the good, leave it, and I'll sort it at the end. I'll sort everything at the end. Don't worry about that. Now, Jesus comes uh, into a house and his disciples came to him and said, could you please tell us what you meant about the wheat and the tares? Aren't you glad they did? Because actually, without them asking that question, we wouldn't have the answers. And so Jesus, let's just read what Jesus says to explain what he was meaning. And he answered them and he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus loved that title for himself. He used that title most of all titles to describe himself as the son of man, his humanity. The field is the world, which actually belongs to the Lord. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, those who've repented, believed, and are born again, living under the reign of the king. Sons of the kingdom, under the rule of God. But the tares are sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so that it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and all those who practice lawlessness. That means sin. That means not right in God's eyes. And he will cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear to hear, let him here and we say yes Lord we're listening so in other words this is really important this is an important parable to tell us what it's going to be like at the end so Jesus says that he sows his own children in the world it's not a mistake you are where you live it's not a mistake he's put you where you are it's so that he can show his glory and his light through you and he can actually harvest many souls, bring many into the light through your life. It's not a mistake, you're in the world. We're in the world but not of it. We're not the same as everybody else. There are only two kinds of people, not three, four, five, two, in all the world those who are the sons of the king and those who are the sons of the enemy, the evil one. Jesus said that. And the enemy, the people in that day knew exactly what this story meant. If you had something against someone and they were farmers, you would do this to damage their crop. You take the fake and put it in. The enemy sowed fake. And isn't it a day where the true believers are often surrounded by fake? Okay, well, it is for me. Where actually the true followers of Jesus, for a season we all look alike until the time of ripening comes. Until we've grown a bit, we start to see where we're really at. And how do you and I know we are wheat? Isn't that the most important question of this? Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Examine the fruit 
of your life to see if you're wheat or tears, weeds. Examine the fruit of our lives. Alongside the true grows the false. I remember um, going on mission to Mongolia and on the way we stopped off, I think actually it was on the way back, we stopped off in China and uh, they have something called the Pearl Markets in China and it's a girl's dream. It's a massive shopping opportunity. And there are five massive, it's it's the biggest shopping centre, mall, whatever you want to call it, in the world for me. I don't think I've ever been to a bigger. Five floors. Full of imitation stuff. And when you go in, you you go with, say, I don't know, if you go in with 50 pounds, you can come out with a lot. Okay, so it's a great place to shop if anybody likes a bargain. But the thing is, you know, in the back of your mind, you think, whilst it looks like the true, you think it must be fake. For example, buying a Louis Vuitton bag. If you buy a Louis Vuitton bag, you spend five pounds. And you bring it home and it looks like the genuine article. Everything about it, you think, everybody's going to think, she's got a new bag. Wish I had that bag. What a beautiful bag. And you'll walk around with it on your shoulder going, yes, I got it in China. And nobody will know that it costs you very little to have imitation. It's cheap. And when you get home, you wear it six months, and you know what happens after six months? It falls apart. The stitching is bad. The leather is bad. Everything about it, it's made bad. And even though you only spent five pounds, you wish you'd never spent five pounds because it was a waste of five pounds. Because a bargain isn't a bargain isn't always a bargain. But when you buy the true the Louis Vuitton, it's a bag for life. <laughs> the leather lasts all the way through. The stitching is so good. It's faultless. And the lining, perfect. I mean, it costs you. It's expensive to be a Christian. Unless you take up your cross, follow me. You can't be my disciple. It costs to be a follower, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Especially when a lot of fake is beside you. Especially when... Imitation looks like it'll do. But in the end, when Jesus comes, he will take out the fake and it'll be destroyed, but he will preserve the true. The end of the age, there will be a lot of fake and there will be a lot of true. What does Jesus say into this? What's his message to us today? Don't be fleeced. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it may not be a duck. You know, if you want to know um, the true and the false, the counterfeit and the real, the study of the true will actually reveal the false. So if you get a true Louis Vuitton bag and put it side by side to your cheap imitation tear or product, oh, the stitching's a bit different. Oh, the leather doesn't feel. It's plastic. It's imitation leather. How many of you know there's good imitation leather? I can be fleeced. 
If you want to know what a true Christian is, it's given in the word of the king. What he says is unholy is unholy. What he says is good is good. And he never changes. And if you study the true, you won't be fleeced. Yes, in the last days, it's going to get more and more difficult to stand for what you believe. For parents to raise your children when everything they're being taught is different to the word of your king. And fathers particularly are called to teach your children the ways of God. Mums and dads, yes. But make sure you're teaching them from the true and not from public opinion. But more than that, make sure your life adjusts to truth, not adjusting truth to fit into your life. Because when Jesus returns, it will be a day of all days. Yes, he is a merciful king. He forgives us our sins when we ask him to say sorry. But he demands that we make changes to follow Jesus. Don't read the word and use it as a weapon against those who aren't walking with God. It's not your job to root out the weeds It's your job to sow seeds. It's not your job to go on Instagram and criticize whoever is there that you don't agree in. But it's your job to shine, to grow and not stand still in your walk with God. And live under the reign of the king who will do nothing but do you good when you do. Because under his reign comes his benefits and blessing and power and goodness. All his paths drip with abundance. That's the path I want to go on. Any other path leads the wrong way. So what's Jesus saying? Examine your fruit. Don't think you're a Christian just because you say you're a Christian. I don't mean to undermine your confidence that Jesus died, and and it's only by faith, through grace, a gift of God, that you're saved. But examine how you treat people. Examine in the light of the word how you love one another. You know, one of the biggest things that will happen in the last days is there will be a loss of love amongst those who used to follow Jesus. Can I finish with the scripture? And you'll be glad on a bank holiday weekend I'm finishing. I'll be glad when I finish this one. Are you hearing the word of the Lord? Don't spend your time on the tears. Spend your time preaching the gospel of the kingdom and tell people the good news about Jesus and make sure you follow him. I think one of the biggest messages of our day is... is, (laughs) You remember when Peter uh, was given his call by Jesus, having had breakfast with him and been restored because Jesus wanted to restore him from his failure and Peter looked back and he saw John I can imagine it following from a distance the apostle John the one that you know I love the way John writes the one who Jesus loved (laughs) why don't you say that about you I'm the one he loves (laughs) 
the one who Jesus loves following, because that's what it means to follow. If you love him, you'll follow. You'll do what he says. And he looks back, and I love this. Well, what about him? And I think everything about this generation is about what about him? Well, what about them? Well, what about that person? They, they can get away with this lower Christianity down here. Is Jesus all about getting away with it? That's not the message of Jesus, our King. He gives grace to be holy. Not grace to live in sin and compromise. And I think we're a bit like Peter. What about them? I mean, what about them? They've got loads of followers. They must be doing good. Jesus would say, "Uh, uh, uh, attention, you follow me. Isn't that what he's shouting out in this generation? You look after your own walk with God. You follow. And don't always look back and say, well, I will when, or I, what about? Follow me, Jesus says. Make the decision today. Don't let anybody else's walk sort of consume you. You follow me. And don't become the spiritual police force of this generation. Where all you do is judge and criticize because Jesus says, judge not lest you also be judged. Walk and follow Jesus Christ. Grow in righteousness, in doing what's right in the sight of your king. What a message. And in this message, there's joy because the happy and glorious people are a holy people. Just to quote a line from yesterday. You thought I was finishing. I am. Luke. No, no, it's Matthew, isn't it? I think it's Matthew 24. Let's just read this. Ah, Lord. I want you to be there on that day when Jesus comes back. I want you to be ready because that's the message God has for you today. Make sure you're ready because the wait's soon over. The days are getting short. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples and these, he knew that some who were following him at that time would be a bit like milk that goes off. Have you ever drunk milk that goes off? You don't want to, do you? Sour puss. Uh, Just gone off. And Jesus said many will be offended. In other words, so many people stop following Jesus because they're offended. They're hurt. And they don't have forgiveness in their heart. If you're going to last until he comes... There's only one way, and that is forgive those who hurt you. Forgive, especially in the local church that you're in. The people that wind you up. There are none here. You're all brilliant. Marriages can go so cold with unforgiveness. <laughs> Many will be offended. They'll betray one another and will hate. The, the culture of hate is the culture of our day, but it's not the culture of the king. You know what the culture of the king is? Love. Okay, next verse, please. Many false prophets, false teachers will rise up, even in the church you're in, and will say what isn't okay for the king to be okay. But the king is the king, and the word of the king never changes. And so we're living in the kingdom as citizens of heaven. False prophets will come and deceive many 
And because of lawlessness, sin that will abound, the love of many will go cold. Oh, I don't want to go cold. My love for Jesus. And that love of many is the word agape. It's the love of God that forgives all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And then Jesus actually says, but he who endures to the end. I want to be one of those, do you? So in other words, there is something to go through and we can go through this well. He who endures to the end will be saved. Let the righteous be more righteous still. Let the righteous stand tall and bear the fruit of being a son of the kingdom of heaven. And let us not be fleeced by fake. Study the true so you can know what's genuine and what isn't. Do life in the body of Christ, not on your own. Those who are deceived the most are independent people. And finally, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Then, Jesus said, the end will come. There is the good news of the reign of the king is going to spread everywhere. And then Jesus will return. Why is he saying this? Well, his reasons are, I believe, that we look at ourselves this morning and say, am I really wheat? If not, then I need to make some changes today. I need to repent and believe the good news that he will forgive me and receive me in an instant if I've been living in compromise and going my own way. Make sure that we're ready for when Jesus comes back. Because he who endures to the end will be saved. And it will be a time of great joy. It will be something that you can long for if you know you're right with God. And that is the key. Is living under the reign of our king. He's coming back. Whether you believe it or not, he is. And the time definitely is short. There's more darkness, but let's go for the more light and see the brightness of his glory in the church and in this generation. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.